I was done. You know, I was super tired of where that path was taking me. I was living homeless, uh, strung out on crack cocaine. And April 4th, 1989, I got on my knees and I asked God if he would let me die. Hello and welcome to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Now, I started this podcast as a way to give you access to the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from people who actually work every day in the music industry on how to move your music career forward. Now, I'm blessed to have helped launch the career of superstar Taylor Swift, and I served as her manager for two years. I currently manage American Idol winner Trent Harmon, consult Scott Borchetta and the Big Machine Label Group, and have been helping thousands of artists around the world navigate the music industry. By the way, contrary to popular belief, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com. Take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help you make sure that you are on the right track. Enjoy the podcast. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. So who the heck is Rick Barker, and why should you listen to me, and what qualifies me to uh, teach you anything about the music business? And First off, let me say that that is a very good question to ask. You want to make sure that you are getting your information from people who are actually, I call them practitioners, people who are actually in the business. You know, in this business that we're in right now, the music industry, there's a lot of advice that's being thrown around. There's a lot of opinions, and they're not necessarily all the right opinions. I'm not saying that everything that I tell you is right, but it's right for the right person. You know, what I'm going to share with you through this is my insider information. I'm blessed to have been working in the music industry for a little over 25 years. I currently manage uh, two major label artists. I have an independent artist that I work with. Uh, I'm blessed to consult Big Machine Records and Scott Borchetta personally. You might ask yourself, what is it that a consultant does and what areas do I consult in? It's funny, when I was first offered a job as a consultant uh, a few years ago, I had to go to Google and type in, what does a consultant do? And it's someone who advises in areas of expertise. The areas that I seem to uh, get requested to help out in a lot are the social media side of things, the artist development side of things, touring, merchandise. Uh, I've been blessed to have been able to work on American Idol for a couple years. I get called in to help with other television shows as well. So how did it all start for me? How did, how did I get into the music business? Uh, for me, I've always had a love of music. You hear people say that all the time, that music has always been a part of their life. For me, it was different because I was never a singer. I never played an instrument. I was never in a band. I just always loved music. There are pictures of me at two and three years old laying down with headphones on. They would put music in my ears to help me fall asleep. I guess I was a very distracted kid. Uh, when my parents were divorced, uh, when I was five, my mom ended up uh, dating a guy. His name's Roger Clark. Roger was part of the whole Muscle Shoals music sound. If you watch the Netflix documentary, and we got moved out to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So I was always around studios. I was always around music, but my love and my passion came from radio. That's what I always wanted to do. You know, I would record on cassettes. Yes, the little cassette recorders. I would record the countdowns. One, because I couldn't afford to buy music, but two, is I wanted to practice talking like Casey Kasem and Rick Dees. I always wanted to be 
the DJ. And I got that opportunity, you know, after dealing with uh, some trials and tribulations in my life. I grew up very humble means, uh, learned to hustle at a very early age, uh, was raised by a single mom, started helping support my brothers and sisters, you know, when I was about 14 years old. And through that process, uh, I moved to California when I was 17 to live with my dad. And I ended up just getting in with the wrong group of people. I uh, got addicted to drugs, lived homeless on the streets of Los Angeles uh, in 1989. Uh, I just, I, I was done. You know, I was super tired of where that path was taking me. I was living homeless, uh, strung out on crack cocaine. And April 4th, 1989, I got on my knees and I asked God if he would let me die. I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired is really the best way that I can describe that. And I woke up uh, the next day and have not had a craving for cocaine since that day. Uh, one of the first things that I did was I got my GED because I had quit high school. As a student in high school, I did just enough to get by to stay eligible to play sports, uh, got C's, and on the courses that I loved, I got A's. Uh, I guess I've always been that person. If there's something that I love, I'm going to go after it with everything that I got. And if there's something that I don't like, I'm just going to do enough to get by. Not a trait that I would uh, recommend that a lot of you take. It just happens to be the path that uh, that I took. So the first thing I did after getting uh, getting sober was I got my GED. And then I heard an ad on KISS FM, the radio station, it was from the Columbia School of Broadcasting that says, have your friends ever said that you've got that voice and personality for radio? And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. So I went to their little open house, realized early on that it was a scam, but I heard them mention about getting an internship. And I ended up reaching out to the radio stations and I got my own internship at KISS FM, which was one of my favorite radio stations Growing up, that's where Rick Dees worked. As I told you early on, I was a big fan of Rick Dees. I got a chance to work at Kiss FM as an intern. Six months later, met some folks from Santa Barbara and got my first opportunity to be on the air in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, I went full-time on the air in 1991, and the rest for me was history. I absolutely loved it. I then started promoting local bands in the Santa Barbara area. Uh, I also stayed sober, which was super cool. Uh, at the time of this video, I'm now over 25 years sober. So last year in 2017, I turned 50 years old and 25 years sober. So I've been sober for half my life. But the reason I say that to you is because my focus then shifted completely on the music side of things. I started helping promote local bands in 2001. I built a country radio station uh, called Crazy Country, and it's still on the air to this day. And at that point is when I started meeting folks in the industry. I started meeting people, uh, and I started asking questions. I always tell people, I'm not always the smartest guy in the room, but I love to ask the right questions. And I'm usually the guy asking the right questions, because if you ask enough questions, you're going to be able to solve people's problems. And if you can solve people's problems, you're going to have the ability to work for a long time. So one of the problems that I kept hearing come up over and over again was that it was really hard to get the new artist in front of a crowd. So I asked the right questions. I went and found some radio stations that I thought would help promote these bands. They agreed to do so. I ended up coming out to Nashville to pre present my idea. It was called the Nashville DU Radio Tour. And it was a tour which got artists paid early on in their career and allowed them to get in front of an audience. So you could really see the impact 
that these artists were going to have. Some of the early bands that went out were Sugarland, Little Big Town, Rodney Atkins. Uh, I then got on the radar of Scott Borchetta at Big Machine Records. And when he decided to form Big Machine Records, he made me an offer to come work for him as a regional record promoter. And what that means is that I had a certain part of the country, the West Coast, that I was responsible for, and a bunch of radio stations that I needed to go out, build relationships, and then hopefully get the artist played. A few of the artists that were on this label were Jack Ingram and a young lady by the name of Taylor Swift. Uh, six months into that position at Big Machine Records, uh, Scott decided to send Taylor out to me in California. And her and I would go on a 30-day journey that would end up changing both of our lives. Uh, she wanted to learn. I wanted to teach. And that gave me the ability to try things. One of the things that we uh, decided early on is if we were willing to do what others weren't willing to do, then there was a chance that we could get what others weren't getting. And we chose to focus on the fans. That became of most importance. That became everything uh, to us was getting her music in front of as many people as possible. Six months after that radio tour, her family then approached me to be her manager. When they first asked, I originally said no. And the reason that I said no was that I didn't feel that I was qualified. And some of the things that got brought up in that conversation were, one, is that I wasn't afraid to ask questions. I wasn't afraid to admit when I didn't know something and I wasn't afraid to go out and get help. You see, a lot of times in life, I think people will kind of BS their way through things because they're afraid to say that they don't know. They saw my willingness to go out and ask questions and to admit what I couldn't do as a strength, not a weakness. We also then had to figure out how I was going to be your manager considering I worked for the record company. And for the first six months of managing Taylor, I still maintained my region with Big Machine Records. You see, everything now that I know about this business, I've learned from being in the business. The reason my book is called The $150,000 Music Degree is because I learned how to be a manager by being a manager. That was my salary. That's what I made to go out and, and learn this business. It's also what other colleges are charging for degrees right now, which we're starting to find out are degrees on theory. So I was with Taylor for almost two years, and it was the most amazing time of my life. But also at that time, it was starting to affect me both physically and my relationship with my wife and my kids. My last year with Taylor in 2007, I was gone 187 days, and uh, that was crazy. You know, I'd wake up in Santa Barbara, drive to L.A., catch a plane, land in Nashville, catch a bus, and we would tour. And I was getting ready to move into a, a commission position, which would have absolutely changed my life. But I was like, okay, is it going out in alimony and child support? Um, that wasn't what I had signed up for. You know, I, I wasn't good at that part. You know, what I was good at was the development part. It got to that stage at the end that I was spending my days saying no on behalf of her. And that's not where, uh, I felt that I strive. That's not where I felt that I could be a best advantage to her. So I ended up getting together with her, telling her that I would forever be grateful, but I ended up giving my notice. And in the process of doing that, I got called and was interviewed uh, by Joe Galani at Sony Music, and I came on board as a consultant to Sony. That's when I had to Google to find out what a consultant did. Uh, I was with them for quite some time, and in the process, still working uh, back and forth with Scott at Big Machine Records, uh, started opening, I opened up a management company, thought that I needed to have other artists 
And what I started seeing at that point was that the music industry had started to change. Uh, what I was doing was treating these artists the same way that I saw the labels that I was consulting treat the artist. And what that meant was that we were doing everything for them when it came to social media. What I didn't realize is that I was creating monsters. I wasn't helping them by doing everything for them. And I just got really frustrated. I was making a lot of money as a consultant, putting all that money back into the management company. A lot of those artists even signed to major publishing deals and record deals weren't generating uh, enough income. I found myself deferring commission. What that means is that instead of commissioning what they made, I put it aside and I would get it at another time when they could afford to pay me, which turned out to be never, uh, which is a whole other lesson that we'll talk about in another uh, episode. But what that did was that showed me that my strength in the business is teaching. And when it gets to the point where I'm doing everything for everyone, I'm not bringing any value to them. So I ended up shutting down my management company and I started learning everything that I could about internet marketing because that's what we're in right now. We're in a place, whether you want to admit it or not, we are internet marketers. We have the ability with the internet to get your music and get your message in front of as many pe uh, people as possible. And there's some great tools to be able to do that. You just need to know how to use them. So I started investing a lot in myself to better my knowledge base, to go out and ask the right questions. And then I started creating programs to help people because thousands of people were coming to me. They all had questions. And a lot of them felt they needed a manager. But what they didn't realize is, one, they couldn't afford a manager. And two, what they needed was advice and guidance. So I found a lot of parents coming my way. I found a lot of younger artists who feel or felt that they needed to get signed by a, a label in order to have success. I started meeting older artists that just felt that, look, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've got the best music in the world, but no one will give me a chance. And then all of a sudden, I started finding this group of people who wanted to do what I did, who wanted to be in the industry. And I felt that that's where I could provide the best value. Yes, like I mentioned, I still manage a couple artists, but I stepped away for a little while in order to go out and figure out what it is that people really needed. And what they needed was advice. What they needed was guidance. What they needed was a structure put in place that would allow them to learn at their own speed, at their own time. And that's why I created the Music Industry Blueprint. That's why I created Social Media for Music. That's why I created all of these other programs. And that's why today I've created the Music Industry Blueprint Masterclass. But what I've also done is realized that with the internet and with social media and with technology, I can get my message out to a lot of folks. And that's what brings us to where we are right now. And that's what I hope to do. What I want to be able to do as I share my knowledge, my information with you, is also give you tools to help you go out and do these things on your own. Uh, not to get religious, but I want to teach you how to fish. I don't want to feed you. You need to know these things because it is your business. You know, and if there are certain things that you want to know, all you have to do is message me and ask the questions and I'll be more than happy to share them with you. I also would love you to share this. If you know someone that you feel could benefit from this, let them know that we're going to have very open and honest conversations. We're going to talk about a lot of the things that other people won't talk about. A lot of the reason they won't talk about them, one is because they're not qualified to talk about them because they are not in the industry. And what I promise you is what I'm always going to give you is the truth, even if it hurts. But I'm also going to always 
search for the solution. There's too many people that are just talking about the problems. I want to be on the other side of that fence. I want to talk about the solutions. I want to give you the tools that you need to equip yourself to go out and get your message heard by as many people as possible. And that's exactly what we're going to focus on. You've got music that can change people's lives. I've got the skill set to show you how to get it in front of them. So together, we can do just that. So that's a little bit about me. If you feel that I'm the guy you want to continue to learn from, if you feel that I've got something to offer you, then I invite you to stick around. If you stayed this far in the video, obviously something interests you. And if you're listening to this, obviously something uh, has interest you. So uh, reach back out to me. You can follow me on socials. You can start at my website, rickbarker.com. And uh, we'll talk to you again sooner rather than later. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com. Take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help make sure that you are on the right track. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there. Oh,